You're listening to 1881, powered by the American Hereford Association and part of the Hereford Network. Here's your host, Shane Bedwell. Welcome back to another episode of 1881. This is your host, Shane Bedwell, and uh, fall's just around the corner, and we're certainly excited to uh, bring on all the sales and excitement that a uh, Hereford uh, fall season brings to us. And, uh, you know, the sales have uh, certainly been very, very strong, uh, kicking off their uh, Labor Day weekend, and uh, we're off and running. And so, uh, you know, when you when you start to see the leaves change and uh, the colors change, you know, good things are happening, uh, and that's certainly the case here in the Hereford breed. Uh, we've had a great summer here at the association, and uh, we're gearing up for you all to join us uh, this October at the annual meeting and educational forum. And so we certainly um, want you to look into uh, the educational forum uh, it'll be on October 19th and 20th here in Kansas City. Um, we'll host that downtown at the Marriott Hotel. And then the 21st will be the business meeting uh, where we'll uh, induct a new class into the Hereford Hall of Fame and the Hall of Merit, uh, along with uh, electing a new set of board members uh, to the board. So a lot going on uh, here at the association and uh we're certainly excited uh, about the things that are happening here in this breed. But today, uh, we've got a couple of special guests with us uh, to talk about a very important topic here that uh, I hope a lot of our listeners are aware of. And um, with that, we'll get into it. So uh, the first guest that, that we have joined today is uh, Dr. Dan Niffen from uh, Penn State University. He's an assistant uh uh, beef cattle professor there in the Department of Animal Science and has been with uh, Penn State um, serving in a variety of different roles, but uh, a mainstay uh, definitely in the Department of Animal Science since 2001. Uh, welcome, Dr. Niffen. Thanks, Shane. Uh, boy, it's going to be a pleasure to talk about this topic today. Yeah, so the topic we're going to be covering is uh, beef quality assurance. And, um, you know, it's an, uh, it's an important topic, uh, that, uh, w we all, uh, I hope are familiar with. And if you're not, uh, you've got a, a great opportunity to learn about the, the whys and the how, um, this program was, uh, started and, and why it's in place, uh, as we move forward with our great, uh, product, uh, joining him is, uh, Mr. Josh White. Uh, Josh White is the Senior Executive Director for uh, NCBA, and his uh, focus is on the producer education and sustainability uh, roles there with NCBA, and so we certainly appreciate uh, Josh joining the podcast. Yeah, excited to be here, and uh, hopefully nobody clicked off yet, because uh, this is not your grandfather's BQA. We've got a lot of new stuff going on, and a lot of new ways that uh, BQA is being used in the industry. So hang in there with us and hear about that. So back to you, Dan, a little bit. Um, you're also a Hereford breeder and um, um, have been actively involved in the association. Uh, maybe just a little quick background about uh, your Hereford roots for the listeners. So actually, uh, I was fortunate that my dad was heavily involved in the livestock industry and um, he used to always remind me that we had Herefords before my brother was born and um, and he was born in January of 1952 so we've been raising Herefords for a couple of weeks anyhow and uh, <laughs> you know and it's been a mainstay in our operation that um, uh, that I've really enjoyed the cattle really enjoyed the education and the opportunities I had uh, growing up you know, getting the guidance from my dad and uh, and working with Hereford Cattle. Probably over time, the thing that's uh, really continues to excite me is that the the interest and the enthusiasm of people looking for Hereford Cattle now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we can bring to the table. Uh, probably upmost is our um, advantages in the area of disposition and people really enjoy working with the Hereford Cattle. 
And with that said, we've also uh, made great strides in uh, improving things uh, as far as our feed efficiency, our carcass quality, and uh, and I just commend the Hereford breeders for recognizing those things that needed to be addressed and have gotten after it. But yeah, we've been uh, raising purebred Hereford cattle since uh, 1951, and uh, my wife and I continue to raise Hereford cattle now. Very good. Very good. And, uh, you know, Penn State uh, definitely has a long uh, tradition there uh, at the university and and a lot of uh, a lot of pioneers. And so I, it's always good to have a, a Hereford advocate there at the university uh, carrying the message, Dan. So I appreciate all you do uh, for the for the beef industry. And so let's let's just jump in here, Josh. What do you say and, and cover a little bit of uh, history in itself with the BQA program and why don't you provide a little bit of overview for for the listeners yeah so I'll I'll uh, bounce back and forth with uh, Dr. Niffin a little bit here but for those that aren't real familiar with BQA you know it's basically an educational platform that's been developed over time started way back in uh, the late 70s early 80s as beef safety assurance when we were having trouble um, with some residue violations and issues like that in the feed yards. And it's just grown over time to incorporate just about anything you can think of to do with cattle health and welfare that can positively impact the quality of the beef we, we serve and, and again, the welfare of the animals. And worker safety has become a big, big part of it, too. Um, we mix in some environmental stewardship today as well. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's really not your grandfather's BQA. It's not just about injection site lesions and residues anymore. It's really more holistic. Um, you know, I guess I've been been with NCBA almost a decade now, and I worked on on BQA quite a bit at the state level where I'm originally from in Georgia, uh, working with Cattlemen's Association and Beef Council there. And, and, you know, I was happy to see that shift from maybe a little more of a HACCP model, which is food safety, where it started. And that's still important and still an important part of the program. But, you know, through those national beef quality audits that we've conducted over the years, I think we've shifted more toward total quality management and that philosophy of, uh, hey, let's build a great um, a great set of cows and a great system for managing these cattle. And let's eliminate those defects before they even get to the packer. And that's really what we're after. And and also create, you know, a really positive perception for consumers on how we're, we're taking such good care of these cattle. And I'm sure it's been rewarding to see through the different uh, quality audits, the progress that's been made on that, Josh. I mean, it's, it's, it's dramatic. Yeah. Dr. Niffin and I were just talking before we went on air about some of that, um, you know, Dr. Niffin, feel free to jump in. I think one of the things that stands out to me um, in the couple of audits I've worked on and looking back at the previous ones is how we've uh, we've still got a lot of bruising, but the severity of bruising has really gone down. So we've not eliminated it. You know, these are still big animals that are going to bounce off each other a little bit and off of maybe our chutes and trailers. And there's still a lot of room for improvement on facility design, I think, and looking out for those spots that will bruise up an animal. You know, that's just a dead loss, you know, going to rendering. And you hate to see these big, pretty steers come in and you're in a packing plant. And you see a bruise right down the top line and you're losing part of that loin or sirloin, depending on where they're hitting a, a trailer or coming through maybe a a squeeze you to load out that's a little too small for how these cattle have gotten larger. So that's that's one area where we've seen a lot of improvement, but I think we can continue to to improve. I don't know, Dr. Niffin, if you've got one off the top of your head. Actually, I was going to step back even further. And, um, you know, the interesting thing in the early discussions on the BQA program, go back to um, the producers recognizing that we had issues that we had to address and you've got to have a lot of respect for the industry that they stepped up the producer stepped up and said we've got to correct these and uh and it was a program that was developed by producers for producers 
And uh, and so it's been a self-guidance program that we got into, got built and got producers to adopt. And it was long before USDA came knocking on our doors and saying, you've got things you've got to address mm-hmm. and it's us to police our own. And it has stayed that way uh, over the life of the program, which I think is a real um windfall for the industry and for the producers and they've got to be commended for their courage to step up and say hey we're not doing it right and uh and we need to do it better the other one i don't know maybe you remember josh but if you go back into the uh and this is going back people but if you remember back to uh the woman president of nca at the time joanne smith and Joanne Smith walked into the meeting and proceeded to tell Cowboys, you know, the old days of we'll raise it, they'll eat it are over. And if we don't step up and start paying attention to the quality that we're making available to these consumers, we're not going to have to worry because there isn't going to be a cattle industry. And she really called the industry out on the carpet and uh, and, you know, made us aware of it. And thank God she had the courage to uh, address the group that way and get us moving in this direction of uh, quality management and and providing a product and being sensitive to the needs of the consumer. Yeah, and that, that really fed into generating that first uh, white paper on lost opportunities that NCA generated. And then that... Uh, fed into the first quality audit, but that lost opportunities paper really put the numbers to it. You know, where are we giving up ground? Where are we losing money? Where are the, where's some low hanging fruit that we can fix here um, for efficiency in the industry. So um, a lot of good leaders back, back there. That's a great reminder. You know, I think about in more recent times along the same lines, you know, we launched our uh, BQA transportation program um, where you could actually get a certification in transportation just about four or five years ago now. But we had a master cattle transporter program that educated producers primarily and some professional drivers. But we were really seeing a gap there and also con- seeing that continued bruising. And and so, you know, the leaders that that help provide input into our program, our advisory group, and our state coordinators and other industry members, um, you know, really helped us think through um, how we could start chasing down some of these areas where maybe we don't have the best education content. Now we've got over 20,000 folks certified in quality assurance transportation. So we didn't even know what our addressable audience was for that program. So we're learning it's quite, quite large and, pretty proud of bringing that up and getting it out. That's tremendous. Wow. So, I mean, beyond just having a, you know, a really good animal to, to send to the next level and be responsible in handling, I think, um, as the programs evolved, so has the consumer, right? I mean, they're, they're wanting to know more about how those animals were handled and how they were raised. Josh, talk a little bit about, how the programs help give the the consumer more confidence in our product. Yeah, I think early on, we, we definitely leveraged that too, going back to the history of the program when we were having some questions, maybe from large buyers of beef and BQA stepped in at that time to answer some of those tough questions. And then I think there was a period of time where we felt like we were doing a lot better. We definitely you know, some of those quality audits showed we res- reduced those injection site lesions and and our numbers of uh, residues that were showing up, you know, went to, to practical zero. So we corrected some problems, but we, it did seem like we were coasting there a little bit as far as our interaction with the industry. And seven or eight years ago, we really started realizing more and more really out of that 20 um I guess would have been the 2011 quality audit where it showed up that consumers and the supply chain were asking a lot more questions about where our food comes from, you know, and where the, where these cattle come from. That showed up as a key driver of of quality is how cattle are raised. So we 
did some research with consumers around BQA to find out, you know, this is really a producer-facing program. It's really about educating. But if we tell consumers what we've been doing, how will that resonate? Does that resonate well with them? And it really did. It, it resonated very well. Um, you know, in our, our research, we asked some unaided questions. Every month, our, our checkoff-funded uh, consumer market research team is interviewing like a thousand folks. And there's an unaided question in there about, do you have concerns with how cattle are raised? And consistently, the highest concern for those that do have a concern is animal welfare and the basics of BQA. You know, do they have enough space? Are they eating the right diet? Are they being treated, you know, well, not being abused? Those are some of the verbatims we hear because most most consumers don't know all the specifics of how we raise cattle, but they they've heard something negative maybe. And so when we put BQA in front of them, it, it shifted positive perceptions about 26 points. So mm. from uh, from not feeling great about how cattle are raised for food to feeling really good about how cattle are raised for food. And this is not like an hour dissertation on BQA. This is like giving them three statements. You know, hey, BQA has been around for 30 years. It's education that cattlemen opt in on their own. And we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of of producers BQA certified that are taking the, the step to educate themselves on the best practices. So give them some basic info and it really does help. The other cool thing about it is it increases their confidence in beef safety and quality. So, you know, anytime you think about consumers, there's got to be that what's in it for me aspect because consumers really care about a great tasting steak first, right? And a, and it's something they can afford. So affordability, quality, nutrition, those things are first and foremost. But the great thing about BQA is it's better for the animal and it yields a greater, you know, end product, a better end product for them. So there is a what's in it for me through BQA and that combined message of better animal welfare and improved beef quality, man, it, it really resonates well with those consumers that are interested in that. And as an industry, I mean, we've, we've been able to march right along. Um, you know, we've got the, you know, the most product ever, um, that we've had, uh, with the smallest inventory of cows on record and the highest quality product. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a win after win um, sales pitch, and it's really not a sales pitch. It's their facts of Absolutely. how how efficient and high quality this beef production system has become, and uh, we, we've done it so responsible uh, in a way that uh, everybody in the supply chain can feel really good about it. You know, so, along the, yeah, real, real quick, Shane, along the same lines, you know, and I think we're getting to a point that, you know, the American consumer doesn't want to be responsible for food safety or uh, any part of the food safety chain. They want it. They expect it to be there and they want it to be there. We're now transitioning also into a position where they don't want to have to be responsible about thinking about beef quality. They are now getting to a point where they expect there to be beef quality and they expect us to produce that and get it out there. Mm -hmm. And I think the producers are buying into the thing and they're proud of the fact that they can make those types of products available to our consumer. And they're also uh, now have the information behind them that they can talk to that and say, well, we've got the data here that we are moving in a good direction. So mm -hmm. uh, it's just an expectation of the consumer. And we're meeting it, you know, to chain to your earlier point. I think, uh, you know, I, certainly BQA can't take all the credit, neither can any one breed or any one brand or, or anything, because this has been a collective effort of, you know, virtually all of our breed associations, the main stream breed associations have increased their focus on beef quality over the last 10 to 15 years in their, you know, genetic selection. So appreciate what Hereford uh, breed has done, you know, one of my old neighbors down there in Georgia, Whitey Hunt and Wayman, you know, they, the, I've, I've got, uh, one of their bulls on my place, uh, breeding some black cows for some nice baldies. And they've really focused hard on, uh, on marbling over the years, you know, maybe a little earlier than some others even, but, um, you know, it, it it's an industry-wide effort. And I think, 
um, cattle handling, man, has it improved to just realizing that bunk management and timing of feeding, all those things that go into proper husbandry, um, but but cattle handling has calmed down so much. And um, it just, it, every all those things about, you know, whether it's genetics or management that we work to improve every day, they, they add up. Undoubtedly, for sure. So um, I guess relative to, you know, the, the trainings to get certified um, where you have your, your certificate and um, you know, that's, that's certainly changed over time. I know I've been at a few field days where you could get your BQA certification done, or I've taken them online too. So Josh, give us kind of walk us through that and what's really working well for maybe some of our uh, members to have, uh, whether it's a get together with their producers or they can get folks certified. I mean, maybe talk through that a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that there's a long history, you know, there too. And, uh, the latest chapter of that is, uh, is pushing about five or six years old when we brought the modules in-house here, um, and made those free, you know, 24, seven, 365. So you can go online and get certified. We, we do recommend if, if there is an opportunity to do an in-person training, you know, that has some cattle handling or shoot side or, or just, you know, being with your peers and having these discussions around these trainings are so valuable. You know, that that's our first, uh, first option in, in our mind here, even knowing that we run the national uh, modules, but we also know people are pressed for time. Uh, sometimes maybe they're a long way from a in-person training. So we've got both options available. You know, bqa.org is kind of the hub for everything. You can go there and the way our system is set up, you put in the state that you're from and it will guide you to your state coordinator. And if they've posted up any training events, they'll be right there on our site or it'll click through if they have a BQA site that's state specific for your state. So that's the best way to go find um, your state you know, training information. Uh, again, you could also be on that same site at bqa.org and click through to our online modules um, to get certified. And we have those for each sector. So obviously most of your audience is probably going to go to that cow-calf uh, sector set of modules that are geared toward that uh, sector. We do have feed yard and stocker backgrounder as well. Um, for those folks that are saying, well, I got certified, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you'll definitely have a different experience <laughs> at, a, at a training today in person or online. Um, we've worked really hard in the last four or five years with our state coordinators to get everybody cinched up on the new content. We rolled out a new manual about six years ago and we've had great alignment to the new content with our state coordinators. Um, you know, helping us build that content and they, they have an option to personalize that for their state, obviously, but we're all singing from the same sheet of music as far as the content. And it, it really has expanded over the years. If you have been through an in-person training where they share information back to our database, which is many states now, because we do provide customer service for, for folks and data service for, for state, pro, a lot of state programs. Um, or if you've been online the last three or four years and done it, we do have an option. Again, you have to already have a record in our system, uh, an account, but we have just rolled out some continuing education modules that create a new path for recertification. We're super excited about that. It's cool content around stockmanship, around biosecurity, which should be of particular interest to, to purebred seed stock breeders. Um, so, the BQA transportation certification actually will also count toward certif recertification for your standard BQA certificate in that CE platform. But again, if you've never, if you haven't been through our modules or been certified lately, you will not have access to the CE uh, platform because our our system online is smart enough to know whether you've got an account in there and are eligible. Um, but um, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. That's going to be kind of a 
a sea change for the program for the next 15 years, we think, building out that CE platform. So, Josh, I mean, um, a producer's gone and um, been certified. They've they've gone through the either at a on farm location or, or uh, did it online. How, how long does the certification last, or when do they need to re up? Yep, it's a three year certification. Okay, and uh, if you're in our system and you gave us a valid email address, you'll get reminders at six months, ninety days, thirty days that you're coming up on a renewal. So. Um, or that you've expired. So, uh, you know, and, and if you are in our system, you're eligible to go in and get that CE catch up credit for up to a year after you've expired. So if you expired recently, you could have access to the CE platform. Um, we do have, uh, several ladies that work on customer service, uh, you know, every weekday to, to provide service to folks trying to use our, platform looking for information about bqa etc so uh, if you have questions there's an email address on our website you can shoot them an email or there's a phone number to call so if i know folks get frustrated with technology we do have some very capable amazing customer service uh folks that are that are there to help if you get frustrated Mm -hmm. dr niffin you've never been frustrated with technology have you not in the last 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) go ahead i was going to add a little part to the story yeah go ahead so um shane i was going to throw in a piece that um being i'm fortunate enough to have a captive audience in students it's actually uh part of our beef production class that all our students go through not only bqa training but they also go through the shoot side portion of it that uh, we teach them proper injection techniques and handling techniques. And I think if we can keep that generation moving forward, then uh, we'll be in a position that as uh, as the industry continues to evolve, you know, we've got a really good basis uh, in those young people to do that. Uh, and, you know, I'm such a nice guy. I even in my advanced class, I make them complete the transportation section so that they're all certified transporters. And uh, and I want them to also be good spokespersons for the industry. So uh, I make them complete their master of beef advocacy training. And I just want them to be spokespersons for the industry. Now, am I getting 100 students a year done? No, I'm not. But, you know, any more people that we can get involved and to be part and help deliver our message really helps. Yeah, and. Some, you know, some of the younger folks are definitely more open to that. You know, some of our farmers and ranchers don't really want to get into direct marketing of our product or or answering the tough questions. I guess that's just one more reason to get BQA certified, because if you're fed up with the negative narrative out there about beef cattle production, sometimes, you know, you getting BQA certified also helps us represent the industry in a positive light. Uh, If you don't learn a darn thing through the through the certification process, which you probably will be reminded of something you've forgotten or learn a little something. But if you don't, at least you're being counted as as somebody in in that number of certifications that's uh, that's taking the time to to basically represent doing the right thing out to our consumers. So relative to those numbers, Josh, I guess share what percentage of, of beef producers are certified or what's what's the message that you're you're taking to those consumer groups yeah well you know we haven't talked much about collaborations or some of the other new programs we've we launched uh, about a year and a half ago a calf care and quality assurance program we did that jointly with uh, the dairy calf and heifer association the veal group and uh, the dairy farm program with us and Dairy Farm picking up most of the tab for it and those others giving us some expertise. Um, But, you know, with so many, we we talk about this beef on dairy deal and knowing that a lot of dairy animals end up in the beef supply. Now we've kind of created their own BQA for that calf raiser sector. And we've got well over a thousand folks now that have been certified through that. So that's picking up Mm. steam. That was no small feat. I mean, that's launching a whole new 
program basically. And, and that's been, been a lot of work, but, but rewarding. We're seeing it pick up. And, and then we also, uh, closer to seven or eight years ago now, really uh, deepened our relationship with national milk producers and their dairy farm program uh, such that we're on their, um, you know, technical writing group and their animal care task force for dairy that builds out that farm program to make sure that there's enough BQA content mixed into their welfare program so that we can recognize their program as equivalent. Uh, the other big one that a lot of your folks will be uh, familiar with, especially with the great youth programming y'all have, is our Youth for the Quality Care of Animals. That was another uh, initiative we collaborated with pork and sheep and and dairy on to build out a multi-species quality assurance program for youth. So when you when you add all of those equivalents, all those programs together, you're up over five hundred thousand. We're over five fifty. Right now, 550,000 certifications. And that's that's really not including all the dairy folks that get trained. That's probably about half of the dairy folks. But we're, uh, you know, us and YQCA and CCQA all count one person, one certificate. So we try to give it a pretty good swag as to what that farm equivalent is. And, yeah. But being conservative, uh, just straight up BQA certifications, we're right around 200,000 active. And of course, there are folks expiring and renewing all the time. So it, it fluctuates a little bit. Um, when we put all that together and, and uh, when we look at our quality audit data and other, other data sources we have from knowing that a lot of our packers require BQA certification at the feed yard level, we're comfortable telling consumers that over 85% of the beef in the meat case has been handled under BQA guidelines or equivalent, you know, with one of our other programs. Um, but we'd love to see that number be 95. You know, we need everybody to get, not just get certified, but make sure it's active and current, keep it current. That's an amazing number uh, to me, Dr. Niffin. I mean, that's a, that's a testament to everybody getting behind what we've previously talked about. I mean, that's, that's that's huge. Um, so relative to some of those other programs, I mean, they if say you've you've got a junior and they do the the youth quality audit, do they still have to do the beef quality audit, or can they do the beef quality audit and that counts for the youth quality audit? Just well, share, really, help me there. It's really up to what their uh, you know what their state or their what the breed is asking them to do, whoever's, you know, setting up qualifications for where they're showing. Um, but the pork uh, side of things, they've, they don't do their junior program anymore. PQA, they've pushed everybody to YQCA, that youth for the quality care of animals. And that is youth for the quality care of animals.org. So it's pretty easy to find if you look it up. Um, you know, a lot of folks are going to that certification just because so many kids show, you know, a lamb or a or a pig and a steer or they evolve over time, maybe through some of those species and they can just keep trucking because there's age appropriate content from nine to like 20. Right. So all the way up through um, our program, just a BQA certification is really designed for 18 and older. So that's how we built the program. I'm not going to say, you know that you can't go through it if you're younger, that's really up to you. You might want to do both. Um, if you're really passionate about beef and want to learn more, um, we're not going to stop you, but I, I can't speak for every 4-H or FFA program out there or junior right. breed program, but check with them, you know, wherever you're showing and make sure you're going to meet whatever expectations they have. Mm-hmm. And that was the quick point I was going to make is that, you know, that's basically on a state by state decision based on their um, youth programming and their uh, livestock programs. And so uh, many of the states have already bought into the having that standardized training and that standardized uh, information uh, that they get out to the students. And they do have um, updates on those modules so that there's something new for those students as they move up through the system. And, uh, and I think they still do have the age break on that, don't they, Josh? That's right. Um, it's it's very age appropriate. And so they do have that opportunity to come back and 
uh, and move up a grade relative to age and uh, and get retrained and and have some more information uh, made available to them. But I wanted to back up, and I'm glad you hit on that point, but I think we need to go back on hammer on it just once more, Josh. But several years ago, Shane, we actually made the decision that um, talking about the number of producers we had certified really wasn't representative of where the industry was. And so we shifted over and started talking about what percentage of the cattle that are in the industry have actually been managed under some kind of a BQA program. And that's more reflective of what where we're trying to go and what we're trying to get done. And, you know, we could go out and train uh, three or four people that have five cows each and we're not going to have much impact. But if we go out and get a feed yard chain, uh, you know, feed feed yard staff trained, um, look at how many more cattle we're going to impact and the opportunity that those are going to move on into the uh, food chain. So uh, I thought that was a smart move on our behalf is to start making people aware that such a large percentage of the um, uh, beef supply is actually managed under BQA. And and I would even challenge our position that with the current uh, impact of the uh, packing industry and demanding that uh, those producers come in and be certified that um, that it may even be starting to creep up over that 85 percent uh, without much trouble. So I'm pretty confident in the numbers. Yeah, and we really appreciate, uh, you know, the Hereford Association taking the leadership stance on this too and, and encouraging all your members um, through your strategic plan to be to be certified. You asked earlier about how to get certified and stuff. I think the other point is, man, your breed, your members, your breeders, uh, ranchers out there are tremendous influencers in their communities and influencers in the beef industry. So, you know, anytime uh, some of your your guys want to have an education session before production sale, we'd be happy to work with you, work, you know, to coordinate with your state coordinator or trainer or if you want somebody from a different state or a different or somebody from national to come out because i know the old rule that the further you come from the more of an expert you are i mean the better cattle judge for sure right shane that's right come from the better judge you are so i think that applies on education too you know sometimes having a new voice uh in in your uh customer's ear might be a benefit so we'd have we'd be happy to work with anybody um, this is, as Dan started off this whole deal with, this is uh, your program. This is producer-led and and uh, your beef checkoff funds BQA. So you can be proud of that. Um, we're really excited, like I've mentioned, about some of the new directions we're going. I'm breaking news. We are going to post a biling for a bilingual position on our national team soon. I know some of our states have support in Spanish language training uh, through their extension, you know, service and some beef specialists or meat scientists that are bilingual, but we know there's some gaps out there and, and uh, the operating committee uh, heard our request and funded us at a strong enough level to go out and try to make a difference with more content and some boots on the ground uh, for our uh, workforce that may not speak English as their first language and they're so important in helping us get the job done every day. We feel like we owe it to them to to provide some great educational resources. So we're excited about that too. That's really, that's really promising and uh, going to take us to another level for sure um, with this. And you're right, Josh, uh, this is a part of the strategic plan to, to get more people uh, certified and uh, help the greater cause uh, within our production system. Uh, probably five years ago now. Well, it hasn't been that long. Uh, three years ago, we added this as a requirement uh, for our Hereford Advantage program, uh, marketing a feeder cattle that not only did they have to meet a genetic requirement and a health requirement that those cattle needed to come from a BQA certified program or uh, a producer, I should say. And so it's kind of a three-tier um, prong with that, uh, with those producers wanting to, to manage, uh, those cattle and, and hopefully, uh, get top, top dollar for them and just give that, uh, 
next uh, producer more confidence in buying them. And I, there's, there's other programs out there that you're seeing that layer being added on to. I don't know if you guys can talk any more about any of those or what, how, you know, it's probably one of those unforeseen kind of bonuses of BQA that's, that's led to other opportunities that the original folks starting this didn't see coming. Yeah, I think Dan mentioned it earlier, you know, the Packers picked it up first that they felt like that was kind of a good benchmark to set for feed yards um, to to start requiring them to have training and certification in place and setting that expectation. Um, You know, that's not our requirement at NCBA or the BQA program or the checkoff. That's that's a business to business decision, but we're happy that they are utilizing BQA since it's such an industry-wide initiative instead of starting to go out there and each packer create their own unique uh, education and training platform for health and welfare. We'd much rather them uh, do what they've done, and that is aligned to the great program we've worked so hard to build with beef checkoff dollars. And So we're, we're excited to see more. You know, there's a lot of supply chain and, and partners you know, I think that's what you're alluding to, whether it's Wendy's or Costco or um, Aldi, or if you go and look at the sourcing guidelines for a lot of these big brands, big buyers of beef beyond the packer, you're seeing that they're uh, they're tagging into BQA. You see it also with, uh, you know, things like the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, um, recognizing that as as a key indicator for health and welfare instead of going out and creating something new. Um, And even some of the newer programs that are trying to leverage uh, a sustainability narrative, um, if you dig into them, you'll quickly find that they're, they're relying on BQA as a first step there because that program is, is in place and it's great content and, and it has resonated well with our, with consumers. It's, it's uh, proven out. So yeah, it is a great knock-on benefit. Not only are we making the stakes better, but consumers appreciate what we're doing mm-hmm. and the supply chain. So along those lines, I mean, the we just uh, wrapped up, or you guys would have wrapped up a national beef quality audit and uh, maybe talk, uh, and we've kind of intertwined this into the conversation already, but what were some of the highlights and, you know, conversation that, as it relates to BQA and how we move forward. Dan, you want to take a stab at that? I'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we start. And sure as heck, back me up, Josh. But, um, you know, one of the issues that we've become more sensitive to here in the last few years is uh, this mobility issue in our cattle. And uh, and making sure that they're um, comfortable walking soundly and have that ability to uh, not only get on a truck or a trailer, but also have that opportunity to uh, endure the ride and then uh, and then walk off the trailer um, in a mobile fashion that they can keep up with the rest of the cattle. And with that said, Shane, the other um, I guess the other thing that I would call our producers attention to is that. You know, as you're out and you're working with your cattle and you're working down through at those times of year when you're um, processing cattle, whether it be the cows or sorting calves or whatever, it would probably also be really important to pay attention to those um, older cows that are moving around in your fields and pens. And uh, and let's just give them a, a special look that, uh, you know, that they are still as mobile as can be and and if that opportunity presents itself that we have to make a marketing decision, then let's get those cattle marketed timely so that um, so that we can get them to town and get them into the system. And so that would be I would like to call producers attention to getting that done. Uh, you know, now that we've got the transportation part in place and we've now got cattle haulers that are sensitive to the uh, cattle that they're getting ready to load. At least they're going down through the pens now and they're trying to steer clear of having these cattle that they think are going to be um, uh, mobility challenges as they go to get them on the truck and get them off the truck. 
And, um, uh, you know, if they don't believe they're going to be ambulatory at the end of the ride, then uh, then they're a lot more sensitive to leaving them home now and looking for alternative marketing challenges or marketing opportunities for them rather than putting themselves in a challenging situation. So probably one of the big messages that came home um, in this audit was that uh, we are now paying attention to our mobility scores and we're checking the cattle more carefully. And uh, and it's all just about animal welfare and animal well-being and, um, and making sure that they are fit for that transport. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, we always have some positives and then some things we can work on when we're coming from that quality audit, obviously that high, you know, such a great, uh, mark on choice and upper two thirds choice and prime is a great win. And we've seen that trend continue. We've also seen, like I mentioned earlier, the severity of bruises stay fairly reasonable. One cool thing we noticed in the last cow and bull audit, which we replicated here, we had a real big reduction in arthritic joints, which to Dan's point means they're not moving real good. But also for those of you that aren't in the packing business, which most of us aren't, they that whole round ends up going to rendering if they have a bad arthritic joint. Is that right? I didn't know that. So it, it drops out, you know, a lot of meat out of the deal. Well, that used to run, you know, on nearly 15% on coal animals at one point in those older quality audits. We got it down to like one, between one and a half and 2% in the 2016 audit and it stayed exactly the same this audit. We didn't know if that was a bit of a fluke in the data, but it stayed exactly the same under 2% arthritic joints. So that's a that's a good sign that we are marketing these cattle a little earlier. Obviously some of those cows were skinny this time because we were collecting data at the end of 21 and through 22 when drought was pretty tough across the country and feed resources were light. So the cattle were thin and uh we're going to put put together some resources in the coming months and this this next year about uh, you know how how we might think about adding value to market cows and bulls, um, and some of that's just maybe choosing to hold them for a minute after we wean, add a little weight to them. Uh, we know they get discounted if they come in with just a bulging bag and and balling and and their uh, you know body condition score three and a half. If you can hold them a little bit, we're going to put put some numbers to that and make some some uh, suggestions around how people could add value and probably improve welfare and 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 some of these cattle. So there there's definitely opportunities um, for improvement. We we saw heavier fed cattle, which led to a little bit of a decrease in the best mobility scores. But anecdotally, I'm hearing as we've gotten more current in the feed yards, a lot of those issues have gone back to about how we were in the 2016 audit. So again, you know, this is a moment in time we're looking at these cattle. And so we have to say, we don't want to overreact. Um, doesn't become a trend until probably that next audit. And we see if we bounce back on those mobility scores or if we continue to be challenged, but we're, we know we've, we know, you know, a lot of breeders are paying better attention to, uh, you know, foot scores and, and, uh, some of that angularity, some of that phenotype in a lot of the breeds. So we're hopeful that that's going to continue to improve. Along the same line, Shane, another thing we could pay attention to, as Josh was alluding to, these uh, cows are coming in and we're in a little bit lower body con body condition scores. Yes, we know we're coming out of drought conditions in a big part of the country and feed is a limiting factor. I understand that. But, you know, if we listen to the words of Randy Block and the message that Cattle Facts continually sends us is when you're marketing cattle, there's one phrase you have to remember, weight pays. And so that opportunity to throw an extra 50 or 100 pounds on these cows today, and you look at where the market cow and bull prices are, you almost can't afford not to put some weight on those cattle, knowing that they're a little thin coming in. And, uh, you know, 60, 90 days on those animals is going to have a significant financial return. So uh, I think that's something that's coming out. We know it's a function of where we are uh, in the current environment uh, relative to feed resources. But uh, but it's something we sure as heck can make some advantages, take advantage of. 
And it typically doing that, it typically gets you out of the the seasonal peak of, of when uh, those cow numbers are coming to town. So it, it gets you in a little different window where who knows what the price is going to be uh, this winter uh, as uh, the numbers get short uh, in our typical supply run. Yeah, that's a great point. And we know that's going to be a different scenario every season. You have to look at all those variables every time. So we're not trying to paint with too broad a brush here, but, um, you know, where, where can we improve uh, multiple things, create some win-wins? That's what we're looking at. Sure. So I've seen a lot of um, press, uh, Josh, um, on the stockmanship and stewardship uh, programs that uh, you guys have helped lead. And, uh, you know, how does that tie into BQA? Is there a piece in that or is it, is it BQA on steroids or what, what's going on with the, the S&S program? Yeah, I think we continue to see that evolve. Um, man, those guys, uh, you know, Ron Gill, Kurt Pate, Dean Fish, some of the folks we've used over the years. Uh, Tom Knopfsinger even got in the in the ring on his horse in Nebraska this year a little bit and helped out. I think it's it's a lot of fun watching these guys that are just real pros at cattle handling, and you always pick up some tips. Um, quite a few of our state BQA coordinators have really learned a lot, too, and are, are doing more stockmanship in their own states. Um, B, BQA has been uh, – the consistent uh, driver of that program. We have had different sponsors over the years with Merck being the latest uh, sponsor to come in and help us amplify that program. But uh, yeah, keep, keep an eye out for those. Uh, they're always a lot of fun when they come to your region. I know I'm not sure when this is going to air, but the last one we have uh, for this calendar year will be right at the end of September in Ohio. So uh, if you're in that area, uh, stockmanship and stewardship.org. You can find all the information and we have some online content built out there as well. We're, you know, we're definitely moving uh, to focus through our larger producer education effort, a little more on grazing and some of those SNS um, sessions are also focused a little more on grazing management than maybe they used to be in addition to cattle handling, cattle care. Uh, they're usually a multi-day event. So we get plenty of time to build out that content. Um, we're pretty excited about a lot of the energy around um, advancing grazing management because we know that's going to improve body condition scores and improve our ranches um, along with these good cattle we've bred, you know. So just trying to keep uh, looking for areas we can improve. Very good. So, uh, you know, that kind of leads us to a spot here, maybe uh, wrapping up. Um, you know, Josh, you touched on the continuing ed for uh, those producers that re-up and certify and new ways to inform or I, sh I shouldn't say new but uh, to keep the curriculum uh, forward thinking and where they're not just coming back and taking the same certification you guys have really spent some time there uh, building out some of this continuing ed yeah uh I would encourage folks to go check it out again if you've already got an account. If not, then just go ahead and go online, get certified, and then you'll unlock the keys to all that new CE. But we've got two herd health-based modules, a biosecurity module and a stockmanship module already up along with those transportation modules. And it's a three-credit-to-renew deal, and then you bank those credits for renewal at the end of your current three-year uh you know, cert certificates that'll automatically kick it up for a renewal if you've got those three credit hours banked. So it's a pretty slick system, similar to some other professional certifications that folks might be familiar with, you know, uh, any any certification that requires licensure, you know, has typically has a CE component, uh, continuing ed component, and we've mirrored it largely after that. And, uh, our database now basically includes that, uh, you know, sort of like a, uh, a college uh, uh, deal. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it now, Dan, where you can see all your credits. Uh, they used to call those transcripts. There you go. <laughs> transcript. There you go. It's been a while since I was looking at my college transcript, you can tell. And so you can see, you know, what credits you've got and how, how all that's progressing. Um. 
yeah, as we close out, Dan, I know you're thinking of some something smart to say over there, but um, I would really encourage folks, you know, you're you're investing in uh, the checkoff. If you're raising and selling cattle, it's the law. So I'm hope, hopeful that you're paying the checkoff and check out Beef It's What's for Dinner and click on how cattle are raised or the raised and grown area of that Beef It's What's for Dinner website and look at what we're talking to consumers about today about how you're raising cattle and you'll find that some sustainability content but a lot of bqa content we're pretty proud of what's been built out there's there's content for chefs uh around how cattle are raised there's content for just the average consumer um if you just there's a little search bar on that beef it's what's for dinner site if you type in the word map uh it'll take you to and sometimes they elevate this right on the home page but um, again, not sure when this is going to air, but I know this fall we're going to be elevating some of the how cattle are raised, you know, type of content. If you if you type in map, it'll pull up a map. And we've got ranches featured in just about every state that are either past BQA award winners, environmental stewardship award winners, Leopold award winners to help build out that neighborhood narrative of, hey, the beef you're getting in the grocery stores from folks that ranch close to you and that are doing the right thing. And We've got a lot of BQA content and grazing management content woven into that. And then all the states have submitted like cool facts about beef production in their state and recipes that are sort of unique to their state. So it's a really cool new feature at Beef It's What's for Dinner that I think everybody can be proud of. That sounds awesome. Everybody likes a good recipe. Yep. Another way to to serve up beef and uh, it, it, it's... I really applaud you guys for what you've done and uh it is the producers dollars at work. Um you know and it it one would hate to hate to imagine the spot that we're in if if we didn't have I know it adds up uh, over time but I'd hate to know where we're at uh, without those dollars at work and in the beef demand uh, space, education space probably more importantly. Uh that's got us over the hump and and some of the best times that we've ever experienced uh, in this industry relative to demand uh, for high quality beef. So it's, you talk about win wins. Here we are. Yep. So, Dr. Niffin, if, if, uh, what would you tell the listeners? Um, somebody hasn't become BQA certified, what would you tell them? And that's going to be a great point to uh, kind of wrap things up. But the message that I wanted to share with everybody is that, you know, remember, your participation in BQA is voluntary and it's a producer decision to do that. It's been the producers that have built this program. It's strictly focused on education. And you look through it and you kind of get the impression that it's, you know, leans towards regulatory. No, it doesn't. It's education. And it's voluntary, and you make that decision to be part of it. But who, as livestock producers, don't want to do the very best job that they possibly can to put those cattle out there, you know, put that product out there? And if you think back to the uh, words of our buddy D. Griffith, you know, he'll tell you, God put these creatures here on earth to serve us. It's our responsibility to be good stewards to take care of them and make sure they have a quality of life so that they can serve us back. So get involved, get certified, help us keep the industry moving forward. It's not what happens locally here anymore. We now live in that global economy and there's parts of the world that also like to know that we are doing it correctly because there's a lot of reasons for them not to trust us but we want them to trust our food supply. Mm-hmm. Well put. And um, I certainly appreciate you guys both being on today to, to share uh, and advocate uh, uh, for the great success story uh, that we've had in this beef industry. And, and this is just one of the many, many things that's really allowed us to get to the point that we're at. And uh, for all the listeners out there that are BQA certified, great job. And, uh, I'm sure many of you are, and, and if you have, uh, ideas or thoughts on how you want to incorporate that at your local cattlemen's association, um, whether it be Hereford or, or not Hereford or can be involved with that, I'm sure, um, Josh 
um, you know, he pointed out, uh, you can get on the website and get involved with, uh, one of the state leaders of BQA that's, uh, you, you may probably already know, and, uh, you can add that, uh, maybe as a part of your stop in conjunction of what you're already doing or, or lean on them, um, to, to get hooked up on this. So thanks again, gang. It was great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Greatly appreciate the opportunity. Well, with that, uh, we'll wrap up this episode of 1881. Again, be tuning in uh, to all the social media channels and uh, information coming out in the October Erford world on uh, the annual meeting and the educational forum. And we definitely look forward to seeing all of you in Kansas City here uh, the end of October. With that, we're signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hereford Association's podcast, 1881, with host Shane Bedwell. For more information, visit hereford.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.